Welcome to Black Writer Therapy, a podcast where Black women writers are invited to sit on the proverbial couch, have a cup of tea, and share the stories behind the stories, and what it really takes to write books about Black women in an industry that still prefers white as the default. I'm your host, published author and unlicensed therapist, Alishine. Black Writer Therapy is now in session. Piper G. Hughley's biographical historical fiction, by her own design, a novel of Anne Lowe, fashion designer to the social register tells the inspiring story of the black fashion designer of Jackie Kennedy's wedding dress. By her own design was a bookless top 100 editor's choice selection for 2022. Was named one of the top 100 books of 2022 in Canada by the Globe and Mail newspaper and was selected as the historical fiction winner for 2022 by the American Library Association's Reading Council. She is a literature professor at Clark Atlantic University and blogs about the history behind her novels at piperhugili.com. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband and son. Hi, Miss Piper Hughley. Thank you so much for joining me here on Black Writer Therapy Podcast and sitting in my proverbial couch. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm fine. Thank you so much. This is an honor. Oh, wow. No, really, it's 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 an honor for me. (laughs) Okay. So kind of a rough start. So let me, you know, woosaw and get my life together yes. while I'm, I'm doing all this. I woosaw um, too, woosaw. Yes. <laughs> okay. You are really, really cute. Like, oh, cute. I, and I normally, like, because I just, I don't believe in, like, not giving compliments when when there's a need to. I don't give mm-hmm. them just to throw them out there. But you're mm-hmm. like, so cute. I've been looking at your pictures and I'm like, she can't be this cute for real. <laughs> She cannot be. And yet you are. Oh, I appreciate that. I love, I love that. <laughs> okay. So normally, um, you know, I always ask this one question of, of my guests and and because um, I just don't think it's asked enough, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. my first question to you is, how are you feeling today? That's a good question to ask. I think particularly for not just um, a black writers, black women mm-hmm. writers, you yeah. know, in terms of what is it that you choose to help yourself heal? Mm-hmm. And I've had quite a lot of recent loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is something that I, I really should be more purposeful about. Um I haven't done it yet today. <laughs> Just to be, I'm be honest. Yes. It hasn't happened yet today. Um so I I know it is it is what I, I need to attend to that mm-hmm. today, and, but it has not yet happened. Well, how do you normally go about healing? What normally kind of lays a bomb on your soul when you need it? Um, reading mm-hmm. can do that. Um, taking myself for my exercise mm-hmm. does that. I can really do that unplugged by doing something completely frivolously like playing games on my tablet. Yeah. Um, 
But I always, um, I, I always tend to be a little harsh on myself about that because it seems so wasteful. I know. And it's like, that's not really the way I should think about it because mm. it seems as if other people, I've had a longstanding theory about writers in general, not just, mm-hmm. you know, Black women writers, but writers in general who have another artistic outlet that they use that feeds yeah. their writerly creativity if they do it. And it's usually something that's very productive. Mm-hmm. So this is why I think I tend to be a little harsh on myself in terms of when I get on my tablet and play wasteful video games because I feel it should, whatever I do should be more productive. And I, even though I don't count my healing, my peace in that productive space. Hmm. So That is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just share, even though you didn't ask, but you know what? I'm going to share a little Mm -hmm. bit of what I learned um, when I was going through yoga certification. No, I did not get certified, but I went through the entire thing and I didn't even want to get certified. I just wanted to go through it because I felt like it was something that I needed to do Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember being in office hours with my, with the uh, instructor and she said, oh, you say should a lot. Mm. and suppose mm-hmm. a lot I said yeah she said do me a favor for the next week remove those two words from your vocabulary mm-hmm. and don't try and replace them with anything just remove them mm-hmm. and you know what I figured out that just by not giving myself permission to say should or mm-hmm. suppose mm-hmm. that it freed me from that feeling of guilt and obligation mm-hmm. and all of those things. Yes. And, you know, I, I, I think, especially as black women, we don't believe we have a right to simply be. Yes. To simply well, rest. we often told that. Oh, I know, mm-hmm. I know. Like you, yeah. like sitting and resting and, and being, just mm-hmm. being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then why are you so lazy? Why are you wasting your time? Why aren't you doing something productive? But I am. Yeah. I'm being still. I'm being Mm -hmm. quiet. I'm being entertained by this really goofy game on my on my tablet. Yeah. You know? And so yes, that is one of the things that I'm I'm always kind of like I'm having to remind myself Mm -hmm. and I remind any other black woman, whether or not she's a writer or a teacher or doctor, whatever she's doing, right? Housewife, I don't care. You have a right to be because that's what we are. Human beings. Yes. Yes. Human we beings. Have a right to yes. Be. We are human yes. beings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Look, and and if that's, that's not that. enough, I have a 22 year old daughter who is from the generation of. I believe that rest is my right. It is not a luxury. It is not a privilege, and I do not dream of labor. So my 22 year old son believes the same thing. Oh, you have a 22 year old. I thought it was like yes. a 22 year old girl thing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, okay, so it's just that. Oh, I, I, I do have a 22 year old niece who also believes that, but my son also believes that as well. So, mm-hmm, I think it's a generational thing. I'm impressed with it, to be honest. And, and you know, my daughter just graduated from Mount Holyoke and she did it in okay, three okay. years. Wonderful. With Wonderful. high honors. And I said to her, she was like, Mother, and I, I don't know why my children call me that. I promise I didn't make them. 
I don't even like it. Mother, I I really want to just come home and figure my my stuff out. I have some things that I want to work on for me. I don't want to go work for someone else and make their dream come Ooh, true. Okay, I just okay. I just want to really focus on my thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what I said to her, my husband of like, he's old school. She gonna have to come home and get a job. She gonna have to do something. It's always the right? husbands who say this. And I said to him, <laughs> I said, babe, just imagine if you had come home from college and you had the support and you said, hey, mama, I just, can you just give me maybe six months, a year to see if I can get this thing going? Yes. Like how far you would be in the place you really wanted to be as opposed yes. to going out and doing what was going to get you an income, right? Yeah. And I said, let us be for our children what our parents could not be for us. And I so- I'm just, I'm, I'm allowing her to do her thing. And I'm really kind of learning a lot from watching mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. Like, go mm-hmm. through this process. It's a different way of looking at it, for sure. It is. It yeah. is. She says, I don't want a job. I, I just, I want a life. I said, yeah, that's what I told my mom when mm-hmm. I, you know, she was disappointed <laughs> when I said, I'm going to major in English. Yeah, And I remember <laughs> saying, I don't really want a job, mom. I just want a life. And it was so funny to hear my oh daughter my say gosh. that to me. Well, so, that's what happens. my mother would say you get what you deserve and I'm okay with it because she's keeping she's reminding me that yeah yeah you have a right to just be Be. sometimes yeah love it love it yes all (laughs) righty and I have to ask this question Piper is that your real name it is yes Yes. all of it all three Piper John Hugley that's me Piper John. Mm-hmm. John? Mm-hmm. G-I-A-N. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. You know I have to hear the story. <laughs> everybody got a name story, there right? Is a, look, if <laughs> I don't care if everybody else has one, but you have to have a story behind Piper John Hughley. Like, get out of here. I'm listening. All right. Me and the well, listeners are right listening. Now. Okay. Um, I'm the first grandchild on both sides. Okay. So people who uh, know that know that with that first baby, there's a little bit of a war happening. Mm-hmm. My paternal grandfather, uh, who uh, probably would be shocked by me, I have no doubt of that. He would be he would be stunned and shocked by me uh, to know me in this our incarnation. <laughs> um, uh, said in his way, where he you know for the patriarchy and massage noir and all that. Oh, of course. <laughs> all first granddaughters are supposed to be named after their paternal grandmothers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Which I've never heard of that rule. I was about to say, know. is that like a, a southern a southern thing? Because I've I never, never heard, heard of, of it. Never and I've been that. here for Okay, all right, all right. Like, go ahead with that. Okay, so okay. then I would have been Ida Mac. Okay, yeah. that that would have still been cool. I love that name. Yeah, it's it's a, and there there after after I learned a few years ago that there's history behind my grandmother's name. I didn't get that from her. I got that from my research. Mm-hmm. But um, my mother uh, was very steadfast in having her own way That's about her. that. <laughs> and yeah, let him know in no uncertain terms on that and many other things <laughs> dealing with my father and their marriage and stuff like, 
uh, no. <laughs> yes. With all due respect, you know, so when you hear them words, you know something. You know, yeah, not really though, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is no respect in what I'm about to say. But... Exactly. <laughs> so, um, she, her thought, her initial thought for a girl had to do with Thea. And she thought at one point, Pierre, which uh, Pierre and Jelly was a movie actress in the 50s. Okay. She had thoughts of that. And then one night she was looking through the TV guide and saw that Piper Laurie, who was a movie actress, had was on some, something that was going to be on TV. And she thought, well, that's I like that. And the reason why she tapped into that was because it was musical. Mm-hmm. My father was a classically trained opera singer. And while my mother was not classically trained, she sang with him. They did all kinds of gigs and stuff all around Pittsburgh. There was a family singing group, all of this stuff, deeply into music. So they settled on Piper. My middle name was my mother's way of maybe giving a bit of the finger to my paternal <laughs> because she knew that uh, both my uncle and her stepfather, who were named Johnny, mm-hmm. uh, she couldn't come right out with the J-O-H-N. So she looked in a baby name book and saw this Italian variant, mm-hmm. G-I-A-N. And that's what it is. And she said, you know, it's this musical, the first okay. name, the middle name means gift from God. Yes. And and this is how my mother is like musical. Her whole thing with both my sister and her name and my names were in terms of fact that with a multisyllabic last name, you have to have a shorter first yes. and middle names. Yes. So both yes. of our names have the same beats sounded out. All Paper, of that. John Hugo Lee. Mm-hmm. Hugo Lee. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Look, I can I just say like you know that and yes mom i'm mm-hmm. here she for all of it he was fabulous no doubt <laughs> your mom has passed away yes oh yes. because i would love to meet her oh my god everybody she was fa- she was just fabulous uh but yes. i you know when it's like this whole thing when she passed i didn't have the same kind of um deep loss because she had poured so much into me Mm-hmm. she's like she's with me all the time it's like I, I wear all of her wisdom and everything it's like a yes. warm blanket that surrounds me and she I I liken it to when Babe Ruth so everybody tells the very famous story about Babe Ruth whenever he would step up to the plate and he would point to where he was mm-hmm. going to hit the ball he claimed this for me oh yeah, a long time ago, when you're going to be a writer and you're going to be a writer and these people are going to go buy your books and this is what's going to happen and all this other kind of stuff, you know, like as a fait accompli. Wow. He claimed this for me um, in a way. That is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I knew I was looking forward to this freaking chat for a reason, Miss <laughs> Piper. I'm so serious. Golly. Yeah. I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I love everything you just said. And the <laughs> fact that, you know, because when you're talking about like your mom and your family, you have this like, I don't know what I can call it. I want to say it's a glow because that's oh, a yeah. cliche oh, and it's not the glow, yeah. but it's like this kind of power. 
yeah. I don't know. That's what it feels like to me. It is. It is. A, it is power. And yeah. like I said, my, the part of my the grieving I was talking about earlier is because I've lost them all. I'm the yeah. only one left. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. so I know that the things that I do um, are about forwarding and carrying on and being lifted by them and their artistic giving spirits. Yes. Yes. Even your sister? Yes. Oh, my word. Yeah, earlier this year. I am. Look, and I never say I'm sorry when people tell me someone has passed on, but I am sorry that that you are here. Like, yeah. And you're it. But yeah. not really, because you carry them with you. And mm-hmm. of course, you have your Dresden Divas. So Yes, <laughs> you have them too. <laughs> yes, but gosh, that's 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 a lot so um but still you still carry this power with you when you speak of them that's it that's how I, that's entirely how I think of it that's and so that's that's beautiful that mm-hmm. is beautiful okay look we are not going to stay there because you know mm-hmm. I'm a teary-eyed girl and I will get <laughs> blubbering really fast and that is not what we want for no, this, no, for no. This. If you want to blubber, I I'm here for you. But okay, okay. I appreciate host, that. I could be. We don't want the host to sit up here and have a complete breakdown because <laughs> I'm good for it. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so let me just let me keep it moving. All right, Miss Piper. So I did. Um, I'm looking over your your biography and and like you're the business. You are the business and. You're so like you. I was exp- I was like, okay, Piper. I felt like this when I was when I was getting ready for for Vanessa arriving. I was like, mm-hmm. Lord, what am I gonna say to these people? Mm-hmm. But then you guys are so like great, <laughs> you know. And, and so it, it kind of takes everything down. So you've written books prior to um by her own design, right? So romance and mm-hmm. and I looked through um, some of your back catalog and I'm going to say this because I say it all the time my TBR is ridiculous like I yeah have of course <laughs> many books like 16 authors in this first season wow yes that's yeah quite a few and you all have like mm-hmm. multiple books yeah and I'm just mm-hmm. like I'm never <laughs> but I will because whatever mm-hmm. so why historic fiction well. Um, I, I am a professor by day. And when I was teaching at uh, Spelman College, um, I would be in the classroom and I would, you know, I always ask my students at some point, um, whatever I'm teaching, what is it that they read mm-hmm. outside of the classroom that has not been assigned to them? Yeah. And uh, at this particular iteration, around 2010-ish, Mm-hmm. Uh, they were telling me that they were reading Zane. This was the response that I was getting repeatedly around that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not putting anything on her. That's wonderful that you're getting that kind of education, but there's also some other things yeah. where you might need to educate and edify yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I was wondering where and how they might get that, particularly because as a literature professor, I often found myself having to tell the history yes. first mm-hmm. in order for them to get to the literature. And so 
it finally occurred to me um, in my on and off writing space that I had been having, what if these students had something that they could read that talked about people their age in that 18 to 22 year old space mm -hmm. uh, on a historic level that showed that people their age at different points in time did great marvelous things. So the other aspect that I noticed uh, being teaching at an HBCU was how much the history mm -hmm. is a part of not just the curriculum in the class, but also in the practices outside of the classroom Yeah. Um, in terms of the awareness of how the school was founded, brought about, put together, supported over right. the years. So my thought was, I could write a series about how historically Black colleges and universities were um, a way in which for Black people to respond to the attempts after the Civil War mm -hmm. to shut down their humanity. Right, right. So that's how I developed my first series, which was about a fictitious historically Black college and university in the here. wake of the Civil War and how it was put together. So I took all these little bits and pieces from different HBCUs and how they came to be and put it in the Home to Milford College uh, series, which is what that was about. And since I know they were reading Zane for a reason or whatever, I made it a romance mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. so that they could tap into that part of it, right. uh, you know, as, as well. So there are uh, three books in that, which looks to be technically four, four books, four and a half, three and a half books, because there's a novella okay. that I wrote as well um, that conveys that history about how uh, HBCUs got started, et cetera. So. Look at my face. I'm trying to like not be this chick, right? But sorry, Miss Piper, I'm going to be this chick. Like, that is so ridiculously cool. That, that, like, that first inspiration was, hey, my kids are reading Zane. I want them to read some other stuff. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and that's, that, yeah, because like I'm an English teacher, usually, mm -hmm. but not anymore, right? <laughs> not anymore. I retired disabled. Um, but I taught high school English for almost 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I realized um, early on, I said, yeah, if, if the kids don't know the history behind what you know, like the time period that we're, we're looking at, because high school English is all literature and writing, you know, okay. and so I'm like, if, if they don't know the history, they don't understand that, then there's like, there's no point in trying to get into the good stuff, just like you realize, yeah. and I, I didn't go out and write any books for them, because <laughs> I was not that invested in my kids, let me be honest, okay, <laughs> but but I did, a, I did a fair amount of, of history, like, you know, mm -hmm. teaching the history yeah. and making them much aware of that. And so I, um, I completely get why you needed to go that, that route. And then, but just to be that invested in your kids. Mm -hmm. And I see, I, this is education needs because if we call these, these, these grown folks that we teach, they come through our classrooms. These are our kids. Yes, so to be kids, that, yes, in, mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. to be that invested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in your kids to say, let me write this historic romance series about an HBCU so that they can see that there's more to to literature than saying. And again, yeah. nothing, nothing against saying I too write through an erotic lens. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's not in the same vein as Zane. Right. 
because I'm, I'm kind of character focused and, you know, style focused, but I do love the erotic lens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yes, I, I don't know that I would have. Uh, it's just a question of like making things a little more well-rounded. And since yes. I knew they were already getting that from Zane, then I didn't have to put the sexy times in. Exactly. I put it more for it as a courting kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of that old fashioned approach yes. and what that meant, that's within that series as well mm -hmm. as the other series that I also did um, that actually was um, in tribute to my uh, paternal grandmother, Adame, um, about the Great Migration mm. or, you know, how uh, Black people went from the South to the North yeah. during that part of the 20th century. She did that. And as actually the, one of the, the interesting, intriguing things that people, uh, it always gets to people is that um, she and my uh, paternal grandfather lived just outside of the gates of Spelman College for a year. Really? Yes. So that, uh, yeah, they lived in Eastern Alabama, uh, where there is actually a Hughley, Alabama. That's, that's the actual plantation place. Oh my there. god. See, this is the lovely stuff I love talking to you guys yeah. about because of the research. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. I I knew I knew of it. And then I went back and did some more research and got all of that tea about that. They as as many people in the Great Migration did, they would leave their small towns, but they would still stay relatively close first. Mm -hmm. They'd go to the nearest big city. Yeah. Which for them was Atlanta. And that's where they lived, uh, just outside of the gates of Spelman College, where my grandmother mm -hmm. would tell me about how she always wondered what went on. <laughs> In those gates, inside the gates. So, yeah. And then her granddaughter ended up finding out. Professor. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they stayed there for a year, and then they moved to Pittsburgh. So they made the big leap. Mm -hmm. so yeah I just transplanted my um and she was very close to her sisters they were called the golden girls so I have a group of sisters uh but in the first uh etchings of the great migration like in um, 1914 1915 mm -hmm. when it first started happening not the second wave is when my grandmother did it because there's always this very intriguing question about why why, when Black people for the first 50 years after the Civil War still stayed mm -hmm. very close to home, what were the factors that made a number of them make that leap um, for wherever they went, you know, wherever the, whatever it ended up being, wherever the railroads went, right. was, it wasn't like some purposeful choice. It was like, how, you know, how far can I get on this amount of money mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that's what uh, Migrations of the Heart that series is about that each sister has her migration story. Um, I saw the, the covers and I was like, oh my God, the covers of all of your books are ridiculously beautiful. But those yeah. first two mm -hmm. series, I was like, oh man, they just, they're so gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. And that was my independence foray into publishing because mm -hmm. publishing at that point in time, 2014, uh, to 2019-ish was not at all interested mm -hmm. um, in what I was putting for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had to do it myself. So those like were self-published? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. You are just a, yeah. look, I'm like, I don't even have to pretend I know what I'm doing as an interviewer <laughs> because you are like, just great. You are great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw those and I was like, oh, I, now I want to read them. 
because mm -hmm. I'm getting so into historic fiction because every, mm -hmm. I, I can't, it's like 16 authors and probably 10, 14, seriously, have been like, there's some historic fiction somewhere, even with mm -hmm. my fantasy writers, they're still historic. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and so I'm just like, man, what's up with Black women and historic fiction? Because mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. what are we doing? Because I find yeah. myself even right now in my work of, in my work in progress, I'm, I'm never going to do this. And here I am. Yeah. Delving yeah. into it because of questions that have come up with my own family. And yeah, so it matters. It matters. It's an act of reclamation, I think. Reclamation. So that is, yeah. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I see it in terms of this. So when I, I, I did the series and the, and the series independently published did do a lot for me in terms of raising my profile to a certain point that allowed me to finally, took a while, but finally uh, obtain an agent and finally, uh, because of those connections, obtain um, a content editor for a traditional uh, published book. So, and, and they were things that happened prior to 2020, which I think was important to say, uh, that there was already, I think, a shift in terms of happening to say that um, some of these stories deserve a more widespread platform. Yes. Uh, and so I'd always thought ultimately, because um, when I would teach the history before the literature, uh, some of the ways I would do it would be to talk about the unheralded Black women uh, who had not had their acknowledgement yes. for their accomplishments. So that I always envisioned that there would be a 2.0 iteration from the romance, from the historical romance into historical fiction that would then permit me to write uh, the stories of these women um, who have been unheralded and not valued. That's really interesting that you said that. And it just dawned on me that so many Black women get into writing through romance. Like, mm -hmm. we all start, like, in that romance vein, mm -hmm. right? Wherever mm -hmm. it's going to be, like, you know, sweet and sassy, all the way to, girl, don't let your mama know that you wrote this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, and then, so, but we all start in romance. And mm -hmm. then it's like, wait a minute, there's some bigger stories that I need to tell. Mm -hmm. There's something mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. bit deeper, a little richer I want to get yeah. into. Yeah. And so why do you think that's the that's kind of the path that we take? Well, I, I, even the, the great Beverly Jenkins said that that was the place where she thought she could get published. And I think that's what it is. Wow. I think that's the, I think a lot of people think that is the place where it, it, at least you could get your foot in the door mm -hmm. in terms of publishing. Yeah. So. And that's it. Absolutely. Just getting that foot in the door. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is my last question about oh, like, not, no, 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 not you. Oh. <laughs> not for you, no, ma'am. It's my last question about the whole, like, you're a professor. Like, professor. And now you're at Clark Atlanta? Mm -hmm. That's correct. What do your students think about having, like, an award-winning, best-selling Miss, Miss Piper Hegley author as their professor? Like, what do they think? Girl, I ain't thinking about that. <laughs> Don't do me like this. I'm all, I'm getting all geared up for you to say, oh, my gosh, they come in with their books. Like, I'm, no, that's oh, not. Please. Mm -mm. I just want to believe that. I want to. Mm -mm. <laughs> I think I'm a nut. That's what face, they think. Face drop. <laughs> they think I am crazy. That is what they think. Oh, well, that's sure. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. 
They do. Because when they think you're crazy, they know that you're about the business. of. That's right. Out. They think yes. I am crazy. Absolutely. Now, a couple of them, a handful, you know, mm-hmm. because I do tell them, because again, a lot of people say, oh, why, do, you, do you teach your books? No, I don't teach my books because I think that is a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. I'm not there for my students to make money off you know, right. of them. Yeah. But I do say at some point, you know, there are things written that you can go read mm-hmm. and find. You can go to your library or, because our library does have my books. Yeah. You can check them out for yourself and find all those things. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a handful across my, how many classes I'll have in a term, four classes or whatever, who will right. say, oh, is this you? Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. it's that Hey, You know, whenever yeah. I started getting into the romance thing and it's like, oh, you need a pseudonym or whatever. One of the things was the point of your writing name is to be the only one, right? Right. I'm the only Piper Hughley. So it's like, why am I putting myself through all of that? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yes. I I have a pseudonym. Like Elishon is Mm -hmm. is my my pseudonym because Mm -hmm. when I started writing, I was still teaching Mm -hmm. in the public school system. Okay. And I had, Mm -hmm. you know, my daughters, I have three of them. They were younger and they were still in school. Okay, and I was okay. like, we cannot. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot have everybody like, oh, Miss Irvin. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And so Elishon is actually like a derivative of my middle name. I just played. Okay, her. yeah. Yeah. That makes and sense. you know, and, and did that. So um what what it's my last little thing, I think. I saw something on your on your website, because you know, I'm out there digging around. And it's this 2015 AAMBC Literary Award winner. Mm-hmm. and that's the african-american on the move book club yes that was yeah very early on when they had started giving i think it's like only the second year so yeah yeah because yeah, they're yeah. doing their 10th year anniversary that's what this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um they tapped me to be an ambassador for them oh cool and i was like this is great but y'all i have my feet my hands I am dipped in the whole body of crazy right now. <laughs> and I so wanted to do it for, you know, mm-hmm. Black Writers Weekend. But I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do it's, it's to a do lot. justice. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you but yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're getting ready to get into it. Let's pop all right. Yay. <laughs> so I asked, what is your most cathartic book? And this is our first segment for Black Writer uh, Therapy, and it is intentional writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found a medical definition of the word intentions back mm-hmm. maybe three or four years ago. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, you know, that's a thing. Yeah. You're shaking your head like you're mm-hmm. the old. See, English teachers unite. Because <laughs> I am I am a word nerd. Like, I just absolutely love words. And when mm-hmm. I found that medical definition, I was like, the other definitions of intentions no longer exist. Because mm-hmm. for me, it is always about healing. Because that's what yes. we're here to do. Just right. heal. That's it. Right. Heal right. ourselves and maybe help somebody else heal. So um, the first segment is intentional writing. Writing, that's a part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. And you said that the most cathartic book thus far for you um, is by her own design, Miss mm-hmm. Ann Lowe. So why was it so cathartic for you to write, to research, to put out here, all of it? 
Well, I see by her own design, um, as well as um, the subsequent books I'm reading, uh, writing, whatever, as really positioning a place in fiction that I don't, I don't really see. Um, that is Black woman as artist and what that means for us. Actually, no, that, that, that it has happened before, and it's it's a book I recommend often, Plum Bun by Jesse Fawcett. Wait, 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 because here you go again. To add to, to your to my, <laughs> Yes, you said Plum Bun? Bun, B-U-N. B-U-N, okay. Yes, Plum Bun, which is that. And I think it was, but it's, you know, it's more, it's 100 years old, slightly over 100 years old. Okay. So it's my my way of saying what happened to that theme, uh, and how can historical fiction, or at least looking back at these women who were artists, and find a way in terms of talking about their life stories as the ways in which they found their way to express their art. And when I was going through kind of jotting down my notes about things I wanted to ask you about in the book, that was one of the main points, this idea mm -hmm. of vernacular artistry as a means of like freedom and, and mm -hmm. self-defining mm -hmm. and all yeah. the things. So that's why for Anne Lowe, and, and again, if you're going to intense, my thing was to get people to see this woman that way yeah. as an artist. And and you did. Not a, a seamstress. No. Not. I just, see. You know, some little cast off kind of thing. No. But as an artist who was purposeful mm -hmm. in designing, mm -hmm. not just those dresses, but her life ooh, in that Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Can you expound? Yeah, well, it, Dr. It, it, Hughley, on Hughley, can you expound on designing not just clothing, but her life? Because her she life. did. She yeah. was like about it, you know? She, she was about it. I was talking about this to a book club yesterday or whatever, and someone in the book club was like, she was all me, me, me. I was like, that's right. And that's how you're she supposed was. to be. That's and, it. Yep. Oh, it, Caleb, I'm yeah. sorry. I have an idea for a dress. So you want this post-coital cuddle? It can't happen right now because I have an idea. I got stuff to do. Okay. You have to wait. Cuddle with the pillow. I'll be back. I'm going to be right back, honey. Let me just get this down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so for Black women or anyone, really, because sort of, again, the main theme is about what does it take yeah. to fulfill your dreams? Mm -hmm. That's for everybody. And it's just that in terms of Anne Lowe being who she was, where she started out, what those circumstances were, she had a tougher climb to that than most. So, so the book, you know, in terms of saying that, whomever you are, if Anne Lowe could do it. Okay. Dot, dot, and dot. she did. And not only if Anne Lowe could do it, but if Anne Lowe could do it on her terms... I think that's like the big part, right? Because she it. did it on her terms. On her terms. And even mm -hmm. though, like, I, and I, you know, I listened to the book on audio. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like I said, I got a million books to read. Now you're back. And I listened to it, which I don't listen to books very often. I'm a, oh, I love to 
you know, but mm-hmm. yours was the first that I actually did an audio mm-hmm. through okay. like Libby. And mm-hmm. I said, oh my, this is a different experience. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I sure. really enjoyed it. I selected Tracy purposefully. You did good. I mm-hmm. enjoyed mm-hmm. like just listening to her and all the different like, you know, voices and just the nuance of her reading. But I'm going to tell you what, Ms. there were some parts in this book that I was like, what the, excuse my French and my Spanish, what the hell? She's 12. And you 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 research this stuff and you you find this information and you're like, put it in, mm-hmm. don't put it in. But yes, yeah, you have to yeah. put it in because it's mm-hmm. her life. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Wait, please tell me. Yeah. Like, what? I cannot deny her life. I wouldn't deny her her life. Right. So exactly. Um, it's not, I would say it's not attractive, but again, it's sort of like the, the ways in which, and I can thank my migrations of the heart series for this, as well as my, um, my paternal great grandmother who was born two counties over from where Anne Lowe was from for insight into that just listen to talk about like you know you you were the one meant to write this or whatever i do believe that yeah there were too many serendipitous um overlaps mm-hmm. that that led me directly to this so that i did not pick this subject it chose me yeah more yeah um to say that this is what young black girls in jim crow alabama were subject to and show that. That just hurt my heart. I it know. hurt my heart. And and then it reminded me I know. of stories in my family. Yeah. Of of my of you know, my mother's older sisters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not so far fetched. It's not at all. Like that was a thing. That was a thing. And it's the thing because this is what history does. We have to acknowledge that thing and be reminded of that thing so we can prevent it from happening because. Piper, gosh, man, I hate to cut you off, but we need to pay some bills. Give me a minute, minute and a half, and we'll be right back. Savannah J. Frierson is a USA Today best-selling and award-winning author telling stories of beautifully imperfect women discovering they are worthy, desirable, and deserving of love just as they are. In addition to writing, Savannah is a freelance editor, Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, and a speaker and workshop facilitator. As a coach and consultant, Savannah has worked with clients in various fields and focuses on bringing people into alignment with what they naturally do well to help people get clear about their goals and the best ways to achieve them. And now back to the Black Writer Therapy session with guest Piper Hughley and host Ella Sean. All right, we are back and we are back to discuss why historical fiction is so important and why remembering it keeps us from repeating it. It was just last year. Everybody was focusing earlier this year on the hijinks of the Tennessee state legislature and how, what they did to those members. Mm-hmm. In terms of mm-hmm. just last year, they tried to pass something related to marriage and did not they put t- an age limitation. I in know, it. and they, oh, they did it. They tried to do that in Missouri, I believe, mm-hmm. and all these other little special places mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. yes, can mm-hmm. be the age of consent. They, they stayed it. trying it, and people had to say, "Oh, hold up, you forgot to say 18. Right? They didn't forget. 
They did not no, forget. Because they are like, oh, no. these child brides can be a, a great way to make sure that, well, we're we're not a political show here, but <clears throat> all so, right. Yeah, that's that was all purposeful. Intentional. Mm-hmm. Yes. That 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 part really as horrific as it is, and I think one of the the plaudits I'm proudest of is that Parents Magazine said that by her own design was a book that people 12 and up should read to learn about Black history. Yes. Yeah, you wrote it. it. Yeah, and that's what I've always aimed to do. Yeah, because it's not even like it, yes, I know that you have some fictitious areas in there because you have to, Mm -hmm. right? It's a little entertainment, ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I'm like, because I looked at um, my daughter and I looked at something, I don't know, maybe three years ago, a documentary on fashion, and Mm -hmm. Anne Lowe had a little blurb in there. Okay, and okay. I thought to myself, this tiny little woman, I can't believe Jackie <laughs> didn't even, like, that's what I got out of the documentary, because that's all mm-hmm. they said, right? Like, mm-hmm. Jackie mm-hmm. didn't even acknowledge her. She was just as mm-hmm. as people, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, three years later, I'm here, and I'm like, I had no idea who Anne Lowe was. Yeah, yeah. And that is my hope in terms of this historical fiction being a first step to restoring her, if not just every February and March, right, right, then at least for people to know and understand, here is an artist who existed and who continues to exist yes. through through her art. Yes, and so that's where we're getting ready to get into. <laughs> Good. Okay, because I'm over. I'm over, Mr. Lee. I don't even want to talk about him. Well, okay, we can move right put, past I that. Put, yes, I did. Because I put mm-hmm. down here, boy, I just want to throw his behind under the jail, like under, with cement shoes on, and honey and bees. I just, I, I'm just, I was so, I was so done. And I was listening to that part, to some parts of it, and you spared, you didn't spare me, Mm-mm. and thank you, yeah, because I needed as a reader to to be in that space with her mm-hmm. and you you did you just sucked us right in there boom yeah. here you are Anlo. and it was yeah. like vicariously experiencing this horrible horrible man mm-hmm. who knew her father mm-hmm. she is 12 that is a baby and his need to gain control over her to groom her with food, yeah. knowing yes. that she was malnourished. Yes. So much, so much evil. And that's exactly what, because when I, I was like, wait, why he is grooming her? And I think just having that in there, especially in the climate that we're in now with, so, I mean, and it's not like it hasn't changed. That's the thing. Like we can say, oh, this happened back then. Mm-hmm, it was very mm-hmm. prevalent back, but no, ma'am. Like yeah. it still it still happens mm-hmm. you know exactly. people are still exactly. these grown men and grown women because i mm-hmm. do not let women off the hook yes they yes. groom these young people in all different ways and i'm like oh you did your Terrible. thing you did Terrible. your thing and thank you for for you know for doing that but still i was like i don't make don't let me roll across somebody named lee in uh-huh. the next couple of <laughs> Don't let me do it. So I want to talk about the social registry because boy, Ms. Lowe was proud of that dang now social registry. I'm in the social registry myself as Mm -hmm. (laughs) girl. 
So tell me, when you were doing your research, like, how did you find, because I, I didn't think it was a real thing. What, the social register? Yeah, because why would I know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, none well, of my people, mm -hmm. none of my people were, were on the social same, register, first same. and foremost. <laughs> Okay, uh, we ain't do enough dirt and we ain't have enough money. So mm -hmm. there you go. <laughs> how did you like when you found this social registry? Like, what was your kind of like? Oh, well, it's not, it wasn't really shocking to me because what this country from its inception has always been about the creation and the preservation of hierarchy, mm. even as we say it's not, you know, try to say it's not, it is right, right, foundational. Right, right. So, you know, this whole aspect, and, I, you know, in terms of my historical interests, I always know about the 400 and how that transformed into that, you know, yeah. et cetera. It, no surprises there's, you know, some kind of book listing people to say X, yes. Y, and Z. That they you are know, here, 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 everybody here, else. Here are the worthy people, Yeah, you know. Um, I, that. But the, the question, of course, for a lot of readers and for some Black women readers is their discomfort with Anne Lowe making, you know, or, or aspiring to become part of that. I don't know that I was uncomfortable with it. I realized that it was something that, at least how I read it, you know, mm -hmm. that she had been kind of, this is how you're going to get on in the world and you need to make sure you find some good white folks. The line, be a, yeah, yeah. Line. You need to the find line. some some good white folk, yeah. And yeah. and 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 she, you know, she wasn't the only person who was told that. I I know just from being a black woman. Look, if you're gonna make it, you're gonna need to find and align yourself with some, you know, a white face to go with this brown face that mm -hmm. can get you in some place. And I I never necessarily prescribed to it. Mm -hmm. However, I completely understand mm -hmm. why Ann Law would say. Yeah, and even now you have black folk who are like, I don't necessarily, you know, like how white folk do. Da, 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 da. And yet everything that they engage in is a way to move closer and closer to proximity to, you know, white lifestyle, white, mm -hmm. all the things. Yeah, to all the things exactly. So yeah, I mean, I you know, Oprah Winfrey's grandmother very famously told her that. And she has said that is what her grandmother told her. And still, it's to say, when it said in 2023 in a room of 200 Black women at a book club, that was like, you could have heard a pin drop. Right, <laughs> right. But I'm saying this is the historical truth of it. And like you're saying, I can't sugarcoat that or ignore that, particularly for that woman, Grandma Georgia, who said it. Mm hmm a woman who had been brought, purchased right. out of slavery by her husband, but still told that she had to stay where she was so that her good white people would treat them well. Right. right. This, this is her, this is the way she sees the world. I, I'm not going to be able to act otherwise. No, and I wonder if that pen, you know, that silence in that mm -hmm. room of 200. Mm -hmm. was not so much oh and i can't believe that you did it da, 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 and and just kind of made me thought of well shoot am i am i still going in that same vein right am i am still, I still trying doing to, that mm -hmm. you know get in with good white folk yeah and, and yeah because i man 
Mm-hmm. True. You know that could be. That could be why I was so silent. Yeah, I've had conversations with a lot of people. You know, men, men, women, boys, girls, it doesn't matter. But I'm always asking, like, you know, how did you grow up, and then how are you living right now? Mm-hmm. You know, because I grew mm-hmm. up in the country. Everybody around me was family. It mm-hmm. was family land. All this, but now I'm in the suburbs. I don't mm-hmm. know my neighbors, and I, mm-hmm. you know. There's not a lot of us out here, and this is that and the third, mm-hmm. because why? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you yep. keep asking yep. yourself. Yeah, you keep asking. Is yourself. it that different? Yeah. Is it that yep. different? Exactly. That's what I got out of out of this book. I kept seeing all of these parallels between then and mm-hmm. right now, and it yes. just goes to show historical fiction. Yes. Modern. What's happening? Black folk and black women. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have not gone that far. Yeah. away from from it well all historical fiction people try to you know act as if it's not but all historical fiction is equally reflective of the time that it's written in yeah oh so, oh mm-hmm. i love that let me write that down yeah <laughs> yeah even yeah. when it, so especially even when especially this is something that comes up in a lot of historical fiction reading and writing groups in terms of language to be used when talking about Mm-hmm. black people etc and what should be used and can't we be historically accurate kind of thing and all of this and it's like are you writing because you want to present historical truth or whatever or are you wanting to use certain words <laughs> because you can but you're not thinking about triggering this potential black woman reader that you have which according to Pew Research is the most likely reader is a black woman with some college right when there are alternative ways in which you could shape and craft your language so that you don't trigger and that you still woman. stay but true. But no. Which is it? That's a great question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm always talking about that. People don't necessarily listen to what I have to say about that because and there are a lot of authors who don't think of mm-hmm. Black women readers as the most likely reader. I do like to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And it was even that finding in that research study, it was an incidental thing. They didn't do the research in order to find that out about Black women. It Mm -hmm. just happened that they figured out that the most likely reader is a woman with some college. Right. So you don't have her in your mind when you're writing a story. Of course not. Of course not, because see, you're getting ready to take me down into segment two because of that whole idea of the white default, but we're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. So I'm going to go with the Kennedys real quick. And I'm okay. gonna, look, I'm going to tell you this. Like I have my own little, you know, hangups with the Kennedys, as mm-hmm. most people probably do. Mm-hmm. But man, the way you, you allowed us to meet the ambassador. Mm-hmm. As he came stomping like the big dogs up in Miss Lowe's dress shop. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen. It's this is that and the third. And poor Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Why was it important to you that we see Ambassador Kennedy in this light? Well, I maybe think about Ambassador Kennedy and his portrayal, but I think what people don't are don't see or haven't seen as much of or don't think about as much of is that early Jackie before she becomes the global icon Jackie. 
And it really has been just these past two years or so where you're seeing those portrayals and by her own design. Uh, there's another book called Jackie and Me. It's sort of this focus on who she was before all of that, that uh, was necessary to say that there were aspects of that wedding, of that marriage, where she and Jack were pushed together for an entity. We had, people had this romanticized ideal about them. But honestly, that was a created political product. The wedding was more coronation with 800 people at the church and the entire United States Senate and their wives. There were no female senators then. 1,200 at Hammersmith Farm for the reception. A created, filmed, political product to launch them as yes. future president and first lady and yes and they that like i've grown up hearing of oh, camelot like they were right right and and right. when i was listening into the book and just kind of you know i like to do my own research so and i'd already like been interested that's what historical fiction is all about yes to make yeah, you go deeper mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, i've already been kind of looking into into jackie kennedy and, and her mm-hmm. family because i had this kind of weird fascination with her dad Yes. Like Blackjack. Really, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so I've always been kind of like, uh, but then to to see how you did this, I was like, yeah, they. it sounds more like what you would get over in the Tudor clan in England. Mm, it's kind mm-hmm. of, we're going to mm-hmm. put these two people together because right. they're from two powerful families. That's it. And this has nothing to do with, with any kind of love or anything right. like that. And right. so... I loved when you had the, you know, the ambassador come in and I know you were like this, pay attention to what his presence is doing to Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was paying attention to him mm-hmm. because I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but I, mm-hmm. I was paying attention to him because I also have this fascination with the Kennedys and I'm like, mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. much like lore around them, but none of that dark underbelly that propelled the family into this space, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one's talking about- And there's a lot of dark underbelly. How they got there. A lot of dark underbelly. How these Irish Catholic people Mm -hmm. in a a waspy nation, Mm -hmm. how they got to this Mm -hmm. place. And Mm -hmm. I've always been fascinated with that. So when he comes in there, I'm like, Yes, look at him because he's mm-hmm. showing he's showing his colors. He's showing, oh, yes. he's showing oh, yes. where he came from mm-hmm. and how he got there. Yes. And so that's what I was kind of focusing on. But then to get back to Jacqueline, and it might be me being a little, but I'm looking at Jacqueline Kennedy and I'm looking at Anne Lowe and mm-hmm. you have them and I see them kind of a different sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. In a lot mm-hmm. of ways, and I was—I mm-hmm. like, don't know if she meant for me to see that, or maybe I'm mm-hmm. reaching, maybe I'm mm-hmm. see because you know. But that's how I see them. This kind right. of, except like where, where I would expect for Jacqueline Kennedy, right? Or what was her name prior to that? Bouvier. Bouvier. That's Jacqueline it. Bouvier. Now I'm like, and see, don't get me started on that because I <laughs> anyway, anyway. Well, you know, Bouvier. Bouvier means cow herder. You know. 
it sounds very fancy, but it means cow it does. Herder. But just yeah. the fact that it's French, <laughs> yeah, right. That's that little French thing, and I'm like, you know. But then, I, okay. And they was more that. Irish than French, but they glommed onto that Frenchified stuff. Oh yes, man. Oh yeah. And and then you have this mm-hmm. whole thing with you know with the Black Irish and not Black Irish like African Irish, right, right, right. Irish. No. Yes. And mm-hmm. so, and I'm like, man, what, what? I was in it. Can you tell how deep? Mm, oh yeah, 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 that's fine. It's fine. I was in yeah. it because I was like, hmm. Because I started, I was a candy aficionado too, so I know exactly what you're talking. About. So, like, so yeah, all these little hints that you you were just dropping little. <laughs> and so I'm like, go pick this up and go do mm-hmm. some because you dropped some beautiful oh, nuggets, you. and I was like, yes, girl. <laughs> but I was looking, and I would expect Jacqueline to be more. People, I guess, would expect her to be more like Ann Lowe, who was mm-hmm. like, um, you know, this is your dress, your wedding. You need to do what you need to do for you. But mm-hmm. she was so like, mm-hmm. Lord, I just wanted to hug her. Yeah. And 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 punch her at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I just I don't have look, and grandma used to say, No, no, Ellen, not gonna suffer fools very long. And I don't. I, not mm-hmm. even as a kid, mm-hmm. I, I did. heard that. I heard I, that. I just couldn't I, I was just like she girl. was not able. It was not there yet. It was not there yet. Yeah, she so was so that, that she had to come to she was not there yet. But yes. in terms of seeing them, and as I say, the question always about why Ann Lowe didn't do anything for her in terms of commissions after that for her, she's still designed for the family now. Yeah. All the way up into her half-sister's wedding, yes. which was an Ann Lowe dress. But for Jackie, never again. Had all that I the, as I thought. What connects them is that fatherless child. Yes. Aspect. Yes. And Ann Lowe saying to her, you know, well, at least you had daddy. At least you knew him. At least you <laughs> yeah. knew him. As trifling as he is, you know he's trifling. Girl, so yes. put your big girl panties on. Stop whining. Suck it up. Stop the whining. Yeah. And do what you have to do. Yeah. Right? But that whole aspect of that. So yeah, we got. And I think part of the the whole thing with the ambassador too, uh, and uh, was Jackie, you know, sort of glomming onto that, you know, as she did several times in her life, powerful male figure yes. who's going to come in and take care. Was okay. very much. Now you yeah. got my brain going another way because <laughs> I'm like mm-hmm. this. I, I also like to play around with the fatherless mm. daughter. Mm-hmm. that's very you know because it's 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 my story ah, right so mm-hmm. I, I i do love playing around with that trying to mm-hmm. figure things out and um and you said yeah like she would kind of like i have this very powerful man and and save me but Anne wasn't looking for anybody to save oh. her so much mm-hmm. i mean she mm-hmm. really was i think she saw that lee fellow as a way to she's like i just wanted to be able to sew what I wanted to sew right. and do what right. I wanted to do. And I couldn't right. do that while sitting under my mama and my grandma's mm-hmm. lap. They yeah. making me sew these little, no. Mm-hmm. So again, for her, men are not necessarily take care of me, see me, mm-hmm. protect me, love me. Men are like, wait, can you get me mm-hmm. out of here and get mm-hmm. me someplace where I want to be? That's right. <laughs> I know it's going to be a sacrifice. I get it. But I still, like, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, is that like yeah. something that you 
you think is it's kind of like oh black women who, who don't have fathers like in that time period that was so common and, and we're so used to it because you know the enslavement and this is that and the third it's just like okay fine i don't really need a man to take care of me mm -hmm. but i do recognize that men can move in ways that i can't yes there's that that men can move in ways that i cannot right yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. Like I said it, it, it's actually one that continues in my next book, like I said, which I'm editing now, yeah. um, American Daughters, which between the two of them, my editor, she um, she highlighted in the edits this one line. It's like I never knew so much about my father as the back of him. Yeah, so. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> and whatever you have, you know, whatever man, woman, child, boy, girl, you have to fight to make sure that line stays. Oh no, she highlights. She's like, no, this is great. This line is great. That's what she loves. Oh, and she said, she wow. actually was like, mm -hmm. I never knew so much about my father as the back of him. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how many, how many girls feel that way. Like right. even girls who grow up with their fathers in the home. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is this was somebody else. Who, yeah, her father was present, but not present. This right. whole aspect of that, right? Very much. And that. that again, I'm so fascinated by it. I am completely mm -hmm. fascinated by it, and it crippled. Jackie, yeah, I think for a long time, yeah, and and it and it emboldened Ann Lowe, yes, yes, to go out yes. and do her mm -hmm. thing. I mm -hmm. just, I, it's mm -hmm. so neat mm -hmm. that juxtaposition yes. there. I mean, you could have written this book, and and it could have been a trauma. It could have been tragedy. It could have been whoa, Miss Poor Anne Low with her little tiny bird legs and this, that, and the third. <laughs> no, but you didn't. You didn't. Mm -mm. I, I felt mm -mm. when I when the book was over, and I knew, oh my gosh, okay, wait, I gotta slow down. I knew I knew what was gonna happen by the end of the book because of the way you opened the book, you were mm -hmm. clever and brilliant. <laughs> I freaking love that. Okay. It was like, don't you think about it. Don't don't worry about it. This is what's gonna happen, but wait. Just let mm -hmm. oh. Brilliant. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, all, again, very purposeful. But also, as I said, even, you know, in the discussion stage with my editor, her saying, well, so much of her life was sad. Yeah. Um. So how can it end on a hopeful note? I said, oh, I have that already taken care of. I know just where I'm going to end it. So <laughs> that's not a problem. <laughs> even though so much of her life was sad. Mm -hmm. it was so much triumph mm -hmm. like she never said this it i'm just gonna sit down and see what happens she right. never succumbed to situations she's like i can't control this but what i can't control i'm right. gonna make sure i'm that's controlling the it. whole of it mm -hmm. you did such an amazing job i didn't get that oh man i need a cigarette or drink yeah. something. <laughs> and like you know after reading this because some books about black women right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so heavy on yeah. the trauma so heavy yeah. on the tragedy so heavy on all the heavy stuff mm -hmm. and you you delivered it all yeah okay unapologetically so and mm -hmm. make add mm -hmm. but i left this book feeling empowered proud yep. like extremely proud of this mm -hmm. woman right and yes. proud that i can say yes just a black woman guess what yes mm -hmm. me too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. me too mm -hmm. you did a beautiful job with saying trauma, yes, tragedy, yes, but guess what? Triumph. 
That's yeah. what I want you to focus yeah. on. I don't know if yeah. you're saying that's what I want you to focus on. No, but that's, what I, mm -hmm. that's what I focused on. I yeah. left there I'm, feeling. I'm glad you got that from it because, I yeah, guess. exactly. I, that's exactly what I had wanted. And it's so funny you mentioned it. As like I said, I had a very cool uh, book club yesterday um, where, you know, this one member, she was kind of for me, honey. She had done her research. <laughs> She was ready, you know, to say, you know, almost as if, hey, it was like she was coming around to say, I see these people coming all the time, so it's all right, you know. True, true. Right. <laughs> Come around almost and say, how dare you? How dare you get our hopes up, you know, about this woman and what she did and everything. You was like, what? You're like, no. Now, it was this time period. And I know she could not have been up in that hotel with those people saying uh, this, that, and the other thing about her or whatever. But that was true. Right. And completely disarmed this, you know, reader who had thought I was going to say, oh, I made that up, you know, so I could have, right. you know, happy ever after ending, or I made this up about her, whatever. No, 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 that wasn't necessary because all of that was already there. Um, so, but how could you that. read the whole book and not see that? Yeah, she did that. Like the, it was par for course for her, for her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very much you know so. very much so very much so to say literally and several people have said this and seen this that she got her flowers mm -hmm. while yeah. she was still alive yeah literally yes uh in terms of that so yeah but so that was all done uh with that in mind and like you said um some people you know would call it trauma porn or whatever my whole thing, even in terms of the historicals that I write, are about for too long, we have been about looking at what they did to us and instead looking about what we did in spite of what they did to there us. There you go. There you Shifting go. the lens from That's it. what they did to what did we do right. in those circumstances. Because we always find that black joy, we always find a way to make it work. Of course, you don't hear those stories. Right. And this was anything that's a continuously running theme throughout my historical work is about what was their response mm -hmm. to the insistence of dehumanization, right. whatever, always that, always that. And that their response is one that we can still do today mm -hmm. in the face of the Ron DeSantis and whatever. I'm about to send him this book to be like, please no. go ahead and go ahead and ban it. Ban it. Please. He is not capable. <laughs> See this woman who, flew, who lived in Florida for a long time? Go yes. Ahead. Yes, do but he's not capable. He's not capable. Uh, 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 I don't get me started. Yeah, I haven't sent it, so that's why I like I I toy around with that sometimes to be like in front Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. Anyway, don't get me started on no. any of that. <laughs> any of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot a little bit, right? <laughs> because we've talked about so much. I want to know how living in the intersection of black woman, mm -hmm. professor, writer. Oh. Me, all these things <laughs> I, I, I want to know how is it because you are an artist in your own right how is it living in that intersection black woman artist black woman academic 
Oh, oh, that in and of it. Okay, that's a whole mm-hmm. other show. I'm going to have you back on season two. Okay. I'm serious. I'm so serious because a black woman academic. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm going to have you right. back. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> so, anywho, how does that intersection affect your writing? How does it inform or how is how does your writing inform it? Like, what's that interplay? Well, it's. I think it's me being insistent upon that they do combine in yeah. this way I've always done that because I've both an MFA and a PhD okay. so it's like I, I you know you're up here trying to say this no it's all it's always been this yes. you can't separate the two um, in terms of it so uh, it's just what I do so this what? Is, uh, you know it's my insistence on you know saying this is what I do. And uh, being, you know, maintaining a creative life in the face of these academic standards, or even I said, one of the things in terms of the Black academic piece is that now that I am entering into the tenure track, being told that my novels won't count for that, and what to do with that, and how to find a way around that. (laughs) <laughs> formal sit down once the term gets started you know go back to school and all that other kind of stuff but that's crazy oh it's utterly insane it's utterly insane it is I mean it I is. obviously I mean I I mm-hmm. never taught it at is. a college level but mm-hmm. um yeah I, I've gone to college <laughs> that twice <laughs> Oh, the masters. So, so I, I mean, I, I understand. Oh, yeah, you can see in a master's space, you probably can see enough of it to know you didn't want to continue. So, whoa. So, yeah, be, you, you've yeah. done all this work, but it's not going to count towards your, your tenure track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they must not know they're messing with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I said, I, I figured that out. Yeah. That's my whole. No, we're not going to have me setting this aside. It's too... It's too important. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'd love to uh, just drop me a line and tell me how that went because <laughs> I'm here for all of it. I'm I am I am here for all of it. Um and it, and again it goes back to not me, but my kid. You can't be both. You gotta and right. she's like, no, I can be both right. I can right. I can do all of it. Mm-hmm. And so when you said that this is just what I do, that this mm-hmm. and I'm like I think that's the the necessary fight for Black women to be seen as whole, complete yeah. women who mm-hmm. aren't compartmentalized. Like we right. aren't, we aren't just that one facet of of womanhood. And I think right. that other groups of women they are able to pare themselves down to that. I am an academic, and this is what it means. And there's mm-hmm. there's this kind of lack of creativity unless they're a creative academic there's this lack of kind of feminine energy that goes mm-hmm. along with mm-hmm. that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because they're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, I'm an academic and, and that negates that feminine creative energy. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say anymore, but thank you for saying that. Thank you <laughs> for welcome. saying that. Um, <laughs> you've shared what you hope to do with your writing and I'm just going to say you did it. Um, <laughs> you did it. Good job. Yeah. You know, good for you. And so 
I want to get to this last question that you you said um, I could ask because you wrote something in. Do you remember writing something in? No. What did I say? I know my face. I do not have a game face, girl. Oh, I will, it is all here. Me either. And that's why I'm glad that this is audio because God forbid the people can see me looking like I look sometimes. <laughs> sometimes some guests say something. I'm like, I get that sister girl. But it's just what it is. It's what it is. It but is you wrote in, I notice in your selection, you don't talk about the marketing, sales, expectations for Black writers at the publishers. Yeah. Talk to me, Miss Piper. Because I have no idea how the publishing, in I mean, I know because I've been researching, you know, uh, okay. But also you were in it, right? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like you, like you we were talking about earlier in terms of what the stereotypical thought is mm -hmm. about um, which is what publishing industry has seen for so long that um, or has believed for so long that black people don't read. But that this Pew research, again, study indicating that black women are the most likely reader, readers that they're going to have. And thinking about marketing uh, in terms of what black women writers do, not just in traditional spaces, but in other spaces where those readers are mm -hmm. more, where they hang out more, etc., is the thing that needs to happen. And as many publishers know this, my own publisher knows, my own editor knows about this, is where we talked about this whole aspect in terms of allowing more of us to enter into those marketing publishing spaces that allows people to open up and say, sell more books, which is always the end goal, isn't it? Right. <laughs> this aspect. Right. It's the end goal is to sell more books. So that's those are the ongoing, I think, things to think about. I And again, I think that even in terms of what I had embarked on in 2014, in terms of what I just talked about, getting people it's not just white people it's also it's especially and also black people mm -hmm. getting them to say, say don't look so much what they did to us look at what we did right. in the face of all of that right they're teaching us lessons that we must take in and embody and I mean, even in 2014, when Obama was still president, mm -hmm. not having the sense to see about why that might matter, but oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Now that yeah. really matters, right? So, yeah. And and I one of I guess I, I appreciated it when, again, one of the um, members of the book club yesterday saying in terms of hopefully that a book like by her own design can inform the modern day reader in terms of thinking about that in that way in that triumph how do you how do you persevere how do you continue to go in the face of these increasing efforts to dehumanize you because you know what you're not human i'm gonna say this and you know it's just me right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the publishing industry for what I've been able to to see and understand, they put the money and the marketing money behind certain types of books oh, yes. that 
that mm-hmm. portray mm-hmm. black people in ways that are so limiting. Yes. And so one-sided. And am I saying that, you know, they're not, those stories aren't important. No, every story that is told is important. Mm-hmm. However, and and to I think to both our points, that is not the whole of black. People. No. In no. fact, that is not even the the majority of our story. And yeah. so if to your point, if the publishing industry is really going to do what it keeps saying it's going to do every time they have a DEI initiative, you know, every mm-hmm. 16 to 20 years, mm-hmm. then it would stop pushing this very kind of limited, this is what we want everyone to see. And this is how we want Black people to see themselves. And this is how we want the world to see Black people mm-hmm. and start pushing stuff like this, because this is the truth of who we are. And this is where the money for marketing needs to be going. Yes, go ahead and support. That's great. But man, I'm like, you put millions and millions of dollars into this and you're giving like pennies on that millions to this stuff. This is what we need. Mm-hmm. And so that is my, one of my biggest pet peeves. It's one of my biggest soapboxes. And every time I say something about it, people are like, oh, but why are you coming down on street fiction and thug I'm not. Write what you want, do what mm-hmm. you want. But I'm talking about the publishing industry, not the writers. Mm-hmm. Stop throwing this out here as the true story of Black people, as this is the culture. This is what. No, it's not. No, it's not. And that's, I mean, there. Yeah, I, yeah. I want them to throw millions, millions of dollars in marketing funds oh, behind yeah. this stuff, because this mm-hmm. stuff needs to be taught in school. This stuff needs to be taught in college levels. This stuff is what needs to be in all the bookstores and at New York, you know, Times bestsellers list. We shouldn't mm-hmm. have to go rummaging through. Can we find this book? I mean, do I have to go beg? We only got big copies. Why? Why? I need, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. This is what I, I understand. need. I understand. You know, because this is what, this is what these Black women with a little bit of college, this is what we're reading. Mm-hmm. I understand. So market to the people with the money who's going to go out and buy the books because yes. this is what we're reading. Yes, yes. I see increased attempts, but yeah, you know, we could be, we do more. I agree. Doing more and being better uh, in, in terms of this. Um, and the, the fact that more of these stories are being published mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, like I said, in 2014, two, right. what I call biographical historical fiction, Books were in existence. Shush your mouth. Mm-mm. Two. So now we have met more. We're getting more, at least on a monthly basis, even almost. Next year will be even better, which is really, yeah, really cool. Mm-hmm. So, yes, my the whole thing in terms of my publisher, other publishers who are taking these narratives in, and like I said, they're taking them in, and now let's push them. Exactly. Right. Don't just take them in Places. and mm-hmm. be like, oh, look at what we're publishing. Look at who we're publishing. No, no, no. I, because give them what they deserve. You know, yeah. let us see the truth of ourselves, not the lies that we've been fed throughout history classes and all this other nonsense. Yeah. Okay. And this was that one, even one of the, the things I had never expected in terms of my publisher was to push me into Costco which was really something. 
and availed me the opportunity to be seen and have book clubs. He's told me there are a hundred miles from Omaha and 75 miles from this, that, the mm-hmm. other thing. And I'm, I love that for you. Which I love it for you because it's needed. Like your voice is needed. Your words are needed. These stories are necessary. And not even just for black people, but definitely you right. really need to be reading these books and like pouring over them, taking notes, going to do some research and then saying, oh, thank you so much Mr. for you for doing this because I was so mm-hmm. ignorant. You know, Absolutely. Stop pushing it. Stop saying that there's not an audience. That was your next thing. That's yeah. how we're going to slide into segment two. The audacity of black women writers. And that's it for this first session with Piper G. Hugely. Yes, I said the first session. This is the only time I've had a double session with one guest. But as you can tell, Piper and I had a lot to talk about and there is still a lot more to come. So please come back on the 28th of September, 7 a.m., and check out the second and final session with Piper G. Hugely. I am your host and unlicensed therapist, Alishan, thanking you for your continued support and your continued downloads. And that's it for this session of Black Writer Therapy Podcast. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this session of Black Writer Therapy. Be sure to follow and leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And keep the conversations going on Instagram using our hashtag Black Writer Therapy. I'm your host and unlicensed therapist, Alishan, reminding you to be kindest to yourself first, always and in all ways. See you guys next week. Bye.